my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this new latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And joining me today is, I'm going to call him a secret NBA insider because he always has information. But for some reason, he always want to hold it and just be like, I don't want to say nothing. I don't want to say nothing. And then he want to gloat about it once things become official. You guys already know who it is. Big Sarge, Mr. Brian Belfield. Sarge, what's going on, man? Welcome back to the podcast. Man, hold on before I even say hello. You see, I got the whole team with me, right? <laughs> yeah. This Sarge back there with me. This Sarge my publicist. <laughs> He makes sure I stay on point. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Hey, um, hey, man, listen, whatever I always told you. I sometimes I just like to be, you know, I have relationships over relationships. You're right. You're right. <laughs> You're right. right. And backstory. When I tell y'all, like Sarge is one of the most plugged in people that that I know, and 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 this is not because this is my brother. Even before we even became brothers, I remember reaching out to him about something I don't want to get into, but he said something on Twitter and I just so happened to just DM him. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And I just so happened to DM him a couple weeks later once things started to come out. And I said, hey, was this what you were talking about? And he just said. Yes, and I and I told him, you know, off record and stuff. I just wanted to know because the yeah. the 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 gesture that he put out there had everybody scratching their heads, and you know, ever since then, never did deny his sources or whatever you want to call it. But ladies and gentlemen, hey. here, well, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, uh. That's why I, I tell people sometimes it's like, and this was back in 2019 or 2020. I do want to throw that in there as well. <laughs> yeah, if I really wanted to be, if I really wanted to be like, um, if I really wanted to be a superstar in the media, then I could be, but I don't believe in messing up my relationships with certain people. So when I got this information about the, you know, reported Rockets head coach, I said, oh. <laughs> That's interesting. So then I had to do my due, due diligence and I asked, and I'm going to be honest with you, I reached all the way out to somebody, a prominent person up in New York to find out what was going on, and they was giving me some backstory, and I was like, ah, okay. And so then today, I kind of let it, let it, I, I kind of leaked it without leaking it. The, I was asked who was the front runner, and I said mm-hmm. email Frank Vogel, I say, but if I was you, I put your money, put my money on email dope, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> boom! <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. 
<laughs> awesome, awesome. And of course, we are here today to discuss the hiring of new Houston Rockets head coach, Emil Doka. Sarge and I are going to compare him with the rest of the head coaching candidates to see if he was the best head coach in hire. And then we're going to close out this installment by sharing a thug tear for our guy. We're probably the only ones that's going to take the time to do this, but we're going to reflect on the head coaching tenure of former Houston Rockets head coach, Stephen Silas. Share our thoughts about him and how, despite the record, despite everything that was going on, despite everything that, that was said, at the end of the day, Coach Stephen Silas really meant a lot to a lot of those young guys in the locker room. So we want to make sure here on this show, if you don't hear it anywhere else, we're going to give Stephen Silas his flowers. But without a shadow of a doubt, Sarge, really quick, what were your initial thoughts when you first heard that Ime Odoka was going to be the new head coach of the Houston Rockets? So my, my first thought was, how are they going to get past this PR nightmare that's about to come, this PR storm that they're hmm. about to have? And not, not because Ime cheated on his wife because him and Neil Long are in marriage, so you can get past the part of him cheating on his girlfriend per se, but he cheated on his girlfriend, longtime girlfriend with a married woman. And, you know, then there was some backstories about, you know, when she wanted to break it off, he didn't just let it break. He didn't just break it off. And so, you know, you look at it from that aspect. I'm just looking at it from that, mm -hmm. from that PR aspect of, wow, we, we're going to have, this is going to be some very interesting press conferences we're going to have coming up here real soon. He's going to have mm -hmm. to answer that. I, you know, I, I bring that up because I don't understand why the Houston Rockets would want to put themselves in that type of light. They already have a negative light shed upon them by, you know, the situation that happened with former head coach, Houston, uh, um, excuse me, Stephen Silas. They also have that negative light of that article that came out, you know, right after the end of the regular season with how dominating and controlling um, the general manager, Raphael Stone, is per the report, uh, per the article. So that was the first thing I thought. Then getting into the X's and O's, I said to myself, well, this may be a good hire for the Houston Rockets because – it's almost like what we've talked about before, like I've mentioned before, the Houston Rockets and the Houston Texans mirror each other. And so they had to go out, they had to go out in this rebuilding process and get a coach that had some type of credibility to his name. Now, morally, no. But when it comes to on the court, the X's and the O's and what he's done, you know, in just one year as a head coach, he has that credibility. He has that name that you have to respect him once he walks into the Houston Rockets locker room, something that those younger mm -hmm. players can say, okay, this coach, coach got skin in the game. He went to the NBA finals. And what was their, what they go six games with the uh, Warriors? Yeah, like six games with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he has that. Here's a guy who's coached, you know, don't get me wrong. Coach Silas has coached the greatest of all time. You know, Arguably the great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> LeBron James and talking about Steph Curry, but you know these guys, they they know those guys, but they're also looking at the Jalen Browns and they're looking at mm -hmm. the uh, um, Jason Tatum's and even some of those role playing guys that he got to you know to step their game up. So on the X's and O side, I can see it. I just need to know that is he bringing the architects of the system that he designed because. When you look at the Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics went 51 and 31 last year, mm -hmm. right? Went to mm -hmm. the they ended up second in the East and went to the to the NBA finals against the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. The thing is the evolution of what the Celtics were and what they became is so interesting. I have a thing, I have it written down, Cody, from the first 35 games, they were 16 and 19. 16 and 19, the first 35 games. Then the next 25 games from December 31st to February 16th, which was the All-Star break, they went 18 and 7. Then after the All-Star break in 22 games, they went 17 and 5. So starting at the beginning of the new year until the end of the regular season, they went to combine 35 and 12. That 
turnaround from going 16 and 19 from the beginning is something that Ime Odoka can hang his hat on because he said, once I got the guys to buy into the system, once I got the guys to listen to, to my voice and to buy into what I was doing, we were able to turn that season uh, completely around. Because you remember there was mm-hmm. there was um, uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, pundits and analysts saying that this team is underachieving when they were 16 yeah. and 19. Ime may not last. And so for him to be able to do that and then take that end up uh, with that type of record for the end of the regular season and take them to the finals, that says a lot about him. But the thing is, Cody, like they're they're projected to do that again. Like they're projected, <laughs> you know, to make a deep run into the playoffs. I think what did they finish this year? Second in the East, just like they mm-hmm. did last year. They're they're about to sweep the Atlanta Hawks. No, no, uh, they're about to legitimate sweep because Atlanta already won game. I think it was four. So they they yeah. up three one anyway. It goes series gonna be over later on that's by Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, they're about to, they're, it's about to be a gentleman sweep. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Then they're gonna be on to the next round. And so now, when you take a look at that, how good was Ime Adoka as a head coach? Now I'm gonna ask you that question. Yeah, and that is actually something I'm, I I want to save it for the second segment because that tie into who I actually wanted to see the Houston Rockets. Oh God! Be as the next head only because of his background. We're going to get into that later on. But Sarge, to piggyback off of you, I had the same initial thoughts as you when I first heard the news that Email Doka was, you know, secretly the front runner, and when I heard Email Doka was, you know, hired due to the breaking news that came out on Monday. And of course, right off the bat, the first thing that I thought about was the off-court issues. And look. I'm not about to get into this because I know there's a lot of moving parts and I'm not about to sit here on this podcast and act like I know a lot about that aspect of it. But all I know is hopefully whatever happened, he was able to move on from it. Whoever else was involved was able to move on from it. And, you know, let's just hope for the best. You know, hopefully this isn't a a cycle that's going to repeat itself. Hopefully this isn't nothing that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as soon as he get back into the limelight because after he got suspended from the Boston Celtics, nobody heard from email over the like throughout this whole entire NBA season. And I thought that was very smart on his behalf and on his people behalf as 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 well. So I do want to say that and like I just mentioned, hopefully this isn't nothing to where as soon as the Rockets announce him as head coach, we sitting there in a press conference and then there's another side to this story that end up being deeper than what we all thought it was going to be. So you know hopefully everybody moved on and you just move forward with it. Ask for forgiveness, pray for forgiveness, whatever you do, and just, you know, move on with your life on both sides. Now, with that being said, on the X's and O's sides of things, Sarge, to me, I kind of looked at it similar to the Houston Texans, again, to where the Rockets, in a way, got lucky by getting one of the hottest names in the coaching market. You saw the Houston Texans were able to do it with D'Amico Ryans. The Houston Rockets have been able to do it with Eme. And the one thing that that got me a little bit excited about the arrival email was the fact that this is a guy, you know, so you, you know, so good and well, this guy had a lot of suitors that he could have went to. Um, After Nick nurse got fired on Friday, all of a sudden it seemed like he was going to be the prominent candidate to take over that vacancy in Toronto. And the fact that he passed up an opportunity to, you know, not take over a well-established team, um, yeah. For him to take over a young Houston Rockets scene where I think you and I can agree where there is a lot of promise, there's a lot of potential, there's a lot of hope, but for some reason, they have finished with the second worst record in the league. Whatever you want to look at it, at the end of the day, there is a lot of stuff that Ime is going to have to clean up for the Houston Rockets and for him to say, you know what? I want to take on this challenge. I want to take on these young guys, young guys who, once again, I believe they have a, a lot of talent, a lot of, of promise and potential in them. But for him to say, I want to take on that challenge and come to the city of Houston and try to rebuild that and establish that and bring relevancy back into that organization. Why he's trying to do the same thing for his image and his life in itself. That says a lot about Eme coming. I love the fact that you touched on 
the turnaround that the Boston Celtics had. I was able to speak to a couple people about Ime, and the one thing that they said was what they loved most about Ime was the fact that when the Celtics was was below 500, that he made in-season adjustments and held several team meetings in order to turn that franchise, in order to turn that season around. We hear that a lot, you know, the team meeting, we hear the, the adjustments that coaches make. But the fact that we know that we have a head coach that can actually get his players to buy in when the season is going terribly wrong. I mean, I remember there was rumors about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, how they should be broken up. I remember hearing the rumors about how Ime isn't going to last beyond this one season because we remember what the Boston Celtics was before them. Before he came to the to the Celtics, however, when he got there, he changed up several different things. And next thing you know, we sitting there in June look, looking at them get two games off the Golden State Warriors. So that lets you know that Emil Doka knows his X's and O's. And another thing that I love about his hiring is the fact that he's going to bring a defensive tenacity to that locker room. And I know there's two guys on this roster that I'm actually excited for the most. Jabari yeah. Smith Jr. and Tari Eason. <laughs> Of course. Yep. And you know what? It's so funny because, um, like I said earlier, with him working with Jalen Brown, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two stars, two superstars in, in, in today's game, him coming into that locker room, being able to sell himself to these up and coming and these rising superstars like Kevin Porter Jr., like Jalen mm-hmm. Green. Alperin Shingun, Jabari Smith Jr., who you mentioned earlier, um, for him to be able to sell himself to those to, to those individuals, not only by what he's done on the court, but you remember that there was a time that uh, there was a rumor going around, and I think somebody confirmed it that he told Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, hey, this thing ain't going to work if y'all don't pass the ball. You've got to pass the ball. Like y'all, y'all, you remember that? Because, I'm hey, laughing because you know what? He's definitely gonna have to re- reiterate that message. Pass the ball. One of the things, one of the Rockets' weaknesses this year was them not being able to swing the ball enough. But he mm. was. Remember, he told me, "He's like, hey, look, I'll sit you down if you don't want to pass the ball." But in this system, you're going to have to pass the ball. And who does that sound like? Hey, listen, no one man is bigger than the system. That was Greg Popovich's mm. mantra. That's where did he mantra. come from? Where did yep, he come from? System. Mm. That, that's his mantra. You will know one man is bigger than the system. If you play within the system, the system will work for you. But if you work, if you play outside of the system, it will not work. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets. I know it's been a long time, a long time since we got together here on this podcast. But, I mean, look, when you are a double beat reporter covering the foolishness and the shenanigans that's going on on inside NRG Stadium and the Toyota Center, and for Sarge's case, also Minnie Mae Park. But for some reason, Minnie Mae has another championship. So that's not really considered foolishness and shenanigans. He actually has a break. I'm a little <laughs> empty about that. I can't lie, but it, it get kind of hard, you know, to like jump on a podcast, but I promise you once again, going to try to do better. But as we continue to, to discuss the Houston Rockets hiring of Ime Udoka, Sarge, you brought up a very interesting point that I definitely want to focus in on in this segment. When you was breaking down your initial thoughts about Emil Doka, you did a very good job breaking down, you know, how he was able to turn the Boston Celtics season around got him to the NBA Finals, but you also brought up a very good point. What does that say about him as a head coach? Because the Boston Celtics, he came into a situation where the Celtics already had their foundation laid. Brad Stevens basically nurtured, grown all of those guys, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. And then down now you see them, I would not be surprised come June that they are not only in the NBA Finals, I won't even be surprised if they would be holding up the Larry O'Brien Trophy, which means that they will be champions of the NBA world. With that being said, in the midst of all this, you do have one season with Emil Doka to where, yes, he did help do a in-season turnaround, one of, if not the best, in NBA history. You still cannot ignore the fact that he walked into a very good situation. A lot of first-year head coaches do not get an opportunity, i.e. Stephen Silas, to walk into a very established, a very well-made um, situation to where all you have to do is just tweak just the smallest things, and next thing you know, you're in the NBA Finals. It don't happen too often. 
With me, when I take a look at email Doka, that is the biggest concern that I have. Because as I mentioned in the first segment, I like the fact that he has a lot of confidence in himself. He sees something in these young guys that he wants to bring something out of them. And he is up for the challenge. And I think he is up for the challenge. However, I'm just not, I, I'm just not too sure that I can hang my hat on saying email Doka has the background to turn a very unfortunate situation like the Houston Rockets into promise. And I'm only saying that as of how the roster is built as of right now, because I know there's the, 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 the lottery pick with Victor Wimbiama. I know there's talks about James possibly coming back or whatever, but this is still all speculations as of right now. Who knows? They might start the season and the roster don't look no different than what, exactly. what they ended with. So that's still a small possibility. Do we think it's going to happen? No, without a shadow of a doubt. But at the end of the day, you still got to keep in mind that at least the core version of the Houston Rockets, a Kevin Porter Jr., a Jalen Green, a, a, a Jabari Smith Jr., Alperin Shingun, a Tari Eason. Um, hell, I even throw Tata Washington and Josh Christopher. You hear all those names that I just said? The, the oldest name that I gave is Kevin Porter Jr. He's technically in his third season, and he's only 21. He might be 22 years old at the start 22. of the next season. So be now. Yeah, so he's 22 now. So at the end of the day, Ime is still walking into a situation where a lot of his core pieces of his roster are, I hate to say it, but college kids, kids that's in college, kids that should be, you know, rookies in the NBA if they lasted three to four years in college. And I think that is the biggest issue that I have at Ime's Adoka hiring. And when I take a look at all the other candidates, that the Houston Rockets was looking at, looking at Nick Nurse, Sam Cassell, Frank Vogel, Kenny Ackerson. Um, the one name that I wanted to see the Houston Rockets go is Frank Vogel. Sarge, I know you have your thoughts on Frank, and I know a lot of people have their thoughts on Frank, but my biggest attribute that I wanted to see out of the Houston Rockets, out of the next Houston Rockets head coach, was to go in and bring in a coach that actually has a background on how to develop young talent and he is the only guy on this list that i say you know what i have a lot of confidence in frank vogel because he's been through this route he took a young prospect in paul george and made him into or helped him become the superstar that he is today you remember what he did with the indiana pacers from 2011 to 2014 2015 to where he helped those young guys become a powerhouse in the eastern conference now I think things would have been different if they didn't have a LeBron James down in South Beach and the problem of his career. Maybe that would have been a little bit different for the Indiana Pacers. But at the end of the day, I think out of all of these candidates, I would have had a lot more confidence in saying Frank Vogel could develop young prospect talents. Unlike Emil Doka, who once again, we, we only know what he did in Boston in that one year where he walked into a well-made system. And when you take a look at the, at his core guys, like a, Jalen Brown, like a Jason Tatum, those guys were already all stars by the time Emil Doka took over as head coach. Well, I'm gonna say this you know, back in the 90s when I graduated from high school, I graduated, I was 190 pounds. <laughs> see, what I, see what I used to be? See what I used to see? See where I, where I well, used that was to almost be. 30 years ago, Sarge. Frank Vogel ain't been in the league, though, though no, 30 years. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was a whole different game back then. It's a whole different, whole different time frame. Whole different, whole whole different NBA back then. So you're right. Couple of things. One, I don't like Frank Vogel because he only coaches on one side of the floor, and that's the defensive side of the floor. Two, I, I didn't like. I, I don't like Frank Vogel because even during his his last you know years. In year two with the Los Angeles Lakers, they didn't even want him there anymore. LeBron and them had gotten to the win. Even when they won the championship in the bubble, LeBron and them wasn't listening to Frank Vogel. They would listen to that star-studded assistant coach, coaching lineup that included yours truly, Lionel Hollis, and Jason Kidd. So, <laughs> you know, they had like they had like four former coaches, four mm -hmm. former head coaches on that bench to help Frank Vogel. So, Frank Vogel actually became just a figurehead. When it, when it was time to get rid of Frank Vogel, LeBron James was one of the most vocal persons about getting rid of him because he didn't respect him anymore. And once he lost that respect for him, it was over. It was done. He couldn't do anything else. And so imagine how that would be with him coming in at this time, you know, being 
very accepted, very receptive for having a job back in the NBA, being a head coach. But then, what are you? You're getting pretty much the exact same thing that you had with Coach Silas his last two years here, and just a figurehead because Raphael Stone will still be there, still hovering over everything that that happens. And I'm not saying that you know I'm not I'm saying what I seen. Not, you know, what I've seen and what I know, you know, when mm-hmm. it was time to do the press conferences at the end of practices, here we have Raphael Stone. I'm saying to myself, man, I've seen him more than I've seen ever seen Daryl Morey, period, with the whole, with the Rockets organizations. So, mm-hmm. you know, that would have been one thing with Frank Vogel. So, and I think that he could have lost that locker room quick because they'd have been like, okay, Frank, we get it, but we don't get it. The person who I would have loved to have seen at least get an opportunity or a chance, but I feel like he's fell under the Eric Bieniemy umbrella, and we know Eric Bieniemy used to be the uh, who's the office coordinator for the Washington Commanders. Now it used to be the office coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. They say, "Well, mm-hmm. we don't know what to do as a head coach." He lost out on some head coaching pos- uh, positions in the NFL these past couple of years because they're like, "Well, we don't know if you're how good of a coach you can be because we've only seen you coach on the coach under." Andy Reid. That's mm. the same way I see it with Sam Cassell with the Philadelphia 76ers. Everywhere, pretty much everywhere that Doc Rivers has been, Sam Cassell has as well. Now, I do believe that Sam Cassell could be a very, very good coach because he has played the game and he does have the respect of the players that he coaches, but he's going to have to get out of that umbrella, meaning that he may have to take an assistant coaching job somewhere else in order to elevate his name. The Rockets really liked Sam Cassell. He just doesn't have – he needed a proven track record. Now, mm-hmm. if – like I said, with Emi Adoka, I still feel that they've gotten a guy that Raphael Stone could still control a little bit because he's just grateful to be back into the NBA. He doesn't really have a leg to really stand on except for what he's done in the past, of course. But, you know, anytime you may try to implement your own coaching style – then it's always going to be, well, I gave you your opportunity. I gave you your chance. You know, nobody mm-hmm. was going to hire you as a coach, not as a head coach. So, you know, that's the the, the reservations that I, you know, for the reservations that I have with uh, hiring M.A. Adoka. Nick Nurse should have been the coach. Nick Nurse should have been the coach because Nick Nurse knows how to develop talent. You have a guy who coached the uh, Rockets, Houston Rockets G League affiliate Rio Grande Valley Vipers to a G League championship. It's not easy to do. To two, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not. That's not easy to do when you're trying to develop young men to not only help them develop their games but help mm-hmm. elevate them back into the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, help those guys get back into the NBA. So there's a lot of core development because you're coaching players who the NBA says we want to give you a chance, but there's still a lot more you have to do before you can get to this level. Mm-hmm. That's where player development comes into play. When you're successful in doing that and helping these players go from you know here to here or working with those players and not in the best situations either. I mean, yeah, they're part of the NBA, but they're not the NBA. So, you know, there are certain things, certain things that these young men have to go through while they're still trying to develop their games. So now if you would have a Nick Nurse, who also, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it his rookie year, his, his rookie year that he won mm-hmm. an NBA championship? His very first year. Mm-hmm. His very first year as an NBA coach, he won a championship too. So he had a leg to, to stand on. He comes in with the track record and the, the team knew him. So you pair him with another guy. Like Mahmoud, I can't pronounce his last name. Mahmoud El Defada. That's, yes. that's close. I don't think that's 100 right, but it's close. <laughs> yeah, but but look, you pair him with another guy who's a player development who also won a championship in the G League, mm-hmm. who also is up and coming and knows the game. Now you put those two guys together to be able to develop those younger guys, play to their strengths more than their weaknesses, and look at what you have. On the flip side of it. The Rockets weren't getting G League Nick Nurse, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Hey, last time I was here, I was in the G League. I was looking for a job. I was, you know, 
I, I was looking for a job. I was down here doing what I was supposed to do. By doing what I was supposed to do, I was able to get on with the Toronto Raptors, led them to a championship, had some success there. Later on, it didn't work out. Okay, I don't have a job. But you don't get to treat me like that anymore. Or I'm hmm. going to have a job. I'm, I'm going to get a job. But if I take this job or if you're offering me this job, there's certain things that I can't have. And that's a general manager trying to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. We said earlier about how these teams mirror each other with the Houston Texans and the Houston Rockets. The Houston Texans general manager, Nick Casario, he's on the the hot seat. General manager of the Houston Rockets, uh, (laughs) so you can't bring in So you got to have some type of success all the while still trying to hold your ground and hold your footing in. He wouldn't have been able to do that if he'd hired Nick Nurse. Mm. And I do wonder if that was the end-all, be-all into whether or not they was going to go with Nick Nurse or E-May because I think we can all agree the top three coaches, even without Nick Nurse getting an interview, an official interview in quotation marks, um, I think we could all agree that we knew there was going to be one of those three three coaches, E-May, um, Frank, and Nurse. And I do wonder whether or not if that was the deciding factor to go with E-May because I think the, the point you made about Raphael Stone, him being, I'm going to go ahead and call it a control freak. I wonder how much is that going to last with email? I wonder if it's going to be one of those situations to where it's all, you know, yeah, email is going to play along with it at first, but come all-star break, we, we walk into Toyota Center, rather we be <laughs> on the main court, on the practice court, it's going to be one of those situations where we start seeing less and less of Stone, just like come training camp, I have a theory that you know we get closer to the to, to week one of the 2023 campaign, we're gonna see less and less of Nick Cereal. I could be wrong, but, but I oh go ahead. Oh no, I'm just gonna say real quick, Cody, it's the equivalent to you know with, with Emi Adoka. It's like if you're it, it, if you have to go live with your father-in-law and your father-in-law is like, yo, you can come here. I'm used to doing things my way, and you're gonna have to accept it. If not, then I mean, because I'm doing you a favor. Like I'm mm-hmm. doing you a favor. You didn't have nowhere else to go. So, but, I mean, but that's you the thing, though. Eme, Eme, could have picked where he wanted to go. Not as maybe a head not coach. this soon. Not as a head coach. Not as a head coach. As an assistant, mm-hmm. he got hired as an assistant. But the, not as uh, a head coach. Detroit wasn't going to hire. Don't because I only said that because remember. Early on in the year, Brooklyn Nets came close to hiring him. Then finally, they was like, you know what? We don't want to deal with the PR shenanigans because they already had their own PR blunder going on around that same time when they departed from Steve Nash. Was That was kind of understandable. Um, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm like, I know somebody would have given Nick Nurse an opportunity. Not Nick Nurse or Ime Odoka. Yeah, Ime, Ime. A head coaching? Yeah. A head coaching job. Yeah, I mean, I doubt a head coaching job because, like, they got, you know, the other teams <laughs> would have probably did a whole different type of investigation because you can make whatever you want to make look the way you want to look if you want the person that you want. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets. Email Doka will go down as the 16th head coach in Houston Rockets franchise history. Sarge, really quick, I just hope email could be a coach that could bring some lasting success to the Houston Rockets. Because it seemed like after the departure of Rudy Tomjanovich, every coach has lasted no, no longer than five years. Uh, I think Jeff Van Gundy had like four, four and a half to five years. Kevin McHale had five. Mike D'Antoni had five. And our guy, Steven Silas, only had three. Should have been four, in my opinion. I don't care what nobody says. But, Sarge, as we move out of one, I'm not going to call it a phase because I just think that's stupid. As we move out of one era of Houston Rockets basketball into a new era of Houston Rockets basketball with email Doka as him as head coach. Um, I do want to take a moment just to reflect on um, former Houston Rockets head coach, Steven Silas. And, um, 
you know me. You know how I feel about Silas, man. My heart goes out to him because I felt so bad for him because this man waited 20 years to be a head coach, to follow in his dad's footsteps. And he was a finalist in 2016. Kind of wish they probably hired him in 2016 because he would have had a completely different tenure um, had they hired him the first go around. But they hired him in October of 2020. Everyone knows the story after that. Everybody wants to leave. Next thing you know, he gets a bad hand. And SARS listeners out there, I never truly understood how bad of a hand Stephen Silas was dealt until I think it was after the All-Star break or whatever, and they had one of those long losing streets. And Sarge, it was just me, you, Jonathan, I think Vanessa, and probably like one other reporter, because you know there was times where it was that that was it. You know, that that was it. We was we was we was the only ones at practice. Just want to throw that out there. Um and I think it was you or Jonathan. It might have been you. Yeah, it was you, because you know, you call yourself IE the Black Mark Berman, and you know, you try to hit all these <laughs> all these emotional points and stuff. And I think you had said something about, you know, do he find himself being more so of a father figure to the Houston Rockets, more so than a coach? And I remember the answer that he gave really stuck out to me. He said that he was like in his office or whatever. But long story short, somebody had pointed out to him that the University of Houston's basketball team was older than the starting lineup that they had on the floor, I think against the Detroit Pistons or something like that. And when he said that, Sarge, that's when it truly hit me like, man, this is not what this man signed up for. 59 wins in three seasons. I know people want to blame Silas for a lot of stuff, but a lot of the unfortunate stuff that happened in his tenure wasn't his fault. And to me, this is when I also realized that coaching is more so about X's and O's and wins. It's also about what changes that you can make in these players' lives. And when you saw, like the one thing that I that I appreciated the most out of Jabari, out of Tari, but more so out of Jalen and especially Kevin Porter Jr. was the fact that Every single night they went out there on that court to play hard for him because they truly like legitimately loved him. And <laughs> it's going to be interesting how email Doka is going to be able to develop relationships with these players. But, you know, Solace's coaching tenure is a testament that a lot of times it's not about X's and O's. It's literally about trying to be there for certain players just to help improve their lives off the court or whatever the case that might be. So a couple of things, I hope I have um, enough time to be able to say a couple of things real quick. Um, before I get to my, my sentiments and how I feel about coach Steven Silas, I will say this real quick. So this is what I feel like the Houston Rockets are going to do and what's going to happen. Do you remember the year the last, no, the year the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl with John Gruden. Mm-hmm. Remember who was the coach before Gruden? Tony Dungy. Oh, uh, Tony Dungy, yeah. And then Tony Dungy leaves, and then all of a sudden, this team goes to the Super Bowl. And what happens after that? Gruden <laughs> goes back maybe one more time. Then after that, when he has to coach his own team, then what happens? It goes into the toilet. Now I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen to the next head coach of the Houston Rockets, Emil Doka. But what I will say is this: is that you know for the last three years, Coach Silas has laid the groundwork and the foundation and the temperament and the mindset of these young men to be able to cope and play in the NBA. Hmm. Now the XOs may not have been. Uh, as successful as the franchise would have wanted them to be, what Tim Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets, may have wanted them to be, what uh, Raphael Stone, general manager, may have wanted them to be. Hell, I would even say may not have been what Coach Silas wanted them to be because if not, if it was, then we'd still be talking about him as the head coach right now, and he would have more than those 59 wins in three years. But what he did was he laid the foundation for these young men to become men. 
for these young men to be able to survive and and cope in everyday life in in the NBA, which isn't easy, especially for a teenager like Jabari Smith Jr. So when you lay that type of foundation, now all Emay has to do is come in and continue to build on that when Coach Silas should have been given at least another year in order to build on what he started. Even if it's not a, another year, give him a half a season. And if you see it's not going in that direction, then replace him. Put John Lucas in there for the rest of the year and then hire your coach at the end of that season. But with this foundation already laid, so uh, Emi Adoka only got to teach – Victor Wimbiama or uh, Scoot Henderson or <laughs> uh, Brandon, Brandon Miller, Miller. Or, whoever they, yeah, or, or whoever the rookies that they, they, they bring in. It's now you're getting a third year. You're getting a, a, a fourth-year KPJ, right? You're getting a mm-hmm. fourth-year KJ. You're getting a fourth-year KPJ, a fourth-year KJ. You're getting a third-year Jalen Green, a third-year Alperin Shingun, a third-year Josh Christopher, a second-year – so you see what I'm saying? Of mm. course Jalen is going to – be different from his rookie year to his third year. He's been through two years of knowing, okay, all right, we got to back-to-back. I got to do this. You know, we got to play three games in five days. I got to do this. All right, now I'm starting to see the court better. So that foundation and the groundwork has already been laid by Coach Silas. And now, look, by Coach Silas, Tony Dungy, now John Gruden (laughs) is just going to come and take that team and make them successful. So they get a little bit of success next year. They get a little a big success and keep going on and get themselves back into where they used to be during the James Harden years. Then all of a sudden you say, wow, look at all they needed was uh, email Doka. Well, no, don't discount the fact of what Coach Silas did. You know, he's hmm. put in a situation, and you, and you said it earlier, he's put in a situation to whereas he was brought in and thought he was going to do one thing, and they ran the ultimate okey-doke on him. The, the ultimate switcheroo and say, ah, see, this is what you thought. You thought you were coming in and you were going to coach two first team, uh, first first ballot Hall of Famers, NBA Hall of Famers. Now, nah, they're not going to be here. Sorry. And all those veterans that you have, sorry. Uh, during the COVID year, we're going to give you about 40 to 50. I may And I may not even, that may not be enough. We're going to give you this many different lineups. You know what we're going to do? We're going to bring in a guy named Kyrie Thomas. We're going to fly him to Chicago, let him catch a bus <laughs> in Milwaukee, and play in the game as he's learning the names and the people on the court. We, you know, we, we sent him over a couple of plays so he can try to get enough acclimated. Oh, we're going to bring in a revolving door of players going in and out and in and out and in and out. The ones that don't want to be here, like a Victor Oladipo or Dennis Schroeder, a um, a Kelly Olenek. You know, we're going to make Coach Silas, hey, you deal with that. that. That's your job. You go over there and you deal with that. Okay. So now after that, cool. We got a John Wall up in here. All right. So, ooh, you can put John Wall at the point, have Jalen Green at the two, and play KPJ at the three. No, nah, what we're going to do is we're going to reduce the minutes and the reduce the playing time of John Wall and not really, you know, we're going to propose that we reduce his playing time. Excuse me. We're going to propose that we reduce his playing time. And then when he says no, we don't have a problem playing paying him. We'll give him the money. That's no problem at all. But he's not going to be in this rotation because we already have a mindset that we're going to tank and we're trying to get draft picks. We're trying to get a better, we're trying to get in better position to get a draft pick. So Coach Silas. Even though you got a guy over here who could help you out when he's healthy, if he gets hurt, then that'll be on him if he's playing. But you know what? We're not going to give him even give him the opportunity. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this point guard away from you and then make you play with a bunch of shooting guards. Oh, well, we drafted a point guard, but we're going to send him down to the G League and let him play sometime. <laughs> All the while, we got a a dis uh, a, a disgruntled veteran that's still here wondering why he got left on the boat while everybody else is gone and Eric Gordon. (laughs) Fine. So, you make it work, Coach Silas, and if you don't, we're sorry. I mean, we gave you the opportunity. We gave you the chance. He was set up for failure from the jump. Now, like I said, as long as I got a couple of minutes, let me have this. 
see the type of impact that he made when it came to Kevin Porter Jr. Yes, Kevin Porter Jr. had that one dust up. They had a lot to had a lot more to do with Christian Wood than it did with KPJ. Had a mm-hmm. lot more to do. Notice that once they got rid of Christian Wood, everything kind of seemed to change a little bit. And mm-hmm. when KPJ locked in, uh, focused in, and you know was very thankful and appreciative of Coach Silas, look what happened. A lot of people still want to remember. Well, KPJ has the the he has a bad behavior. Yeah, well, tell me the dust up that he had this year. Not, not, not two years ago. Tell me how he's been disruptive this year. Matter of fact, since you want to talk about the Rockets locker room and how they have no guidance and no leadership, and Coach Silas just lets them run wild and free, then where? Show me the example. Show me. Because I, I know that I'm there on a consistent basis. You're there on a consistent basis. So show me. Because if that was the case, then you wouldn't have a Jalen Green coming out saying, hey, I let Coach down. We're not going to let him. Did he say he called Coach Silas? Yeah, he called Coach Silas after the, after that game where Dane dropped 70 points. And right after that, they said that, look, we got X amount of games left, and we're going to play hard for Silas, and we're going to play hard for our name. We're going to play hard for our locker room. And look what they end up doing when it was 10 of their last, what, 17 games? You see what I'm saying? So <laughs> you have that. Like, like – you, you know, you have Coach Silas being able to instill that into those young men, and they're taking pride in that, knowing because they know as well. A lot of those players, they see, they see what's going on. They see they a lot of I put it like this: a lot of them knew that Coach Silas was set up this year way before others figured it out. A lot of mm-hmm. them already knew. They went out there and they did their best. That's why KPJ was so hurt that he got hurt, that he got injured. That bothered mm-hmm. him the most. Because he knew that if he would have been out there, he could have won a couple of more, helped them win a couple of more games, and maybe, just maybe, that would have saved Coach Silas's job. But it didn't, which brings me back to the person who started all of this and why I never want to see him in a Houston Rockets uniform ever again. I'm not going to recommend this. And if he comes back and he never wants to talk to me, guess what? I'm a 51-year-old man. I don't need friends. Whoa, whoa. I know you're not about to say what I'm about to say, mister. He built the Toyota Center. Oh, okay, go ahead. Speak your truth. Ten toes down, sir. Ten toes down. (laughs) Always. Always ten toes down. Always. I never want to see him in another Houston Rockets uniform again unless he's retiring. Unless he's signing a one-day contract to retire as a Houston (laughs) Rockets. And he never has to talk to me one-on-one or whatever the case may be. I'll just get whatever I need to get. I, you can't kick me out of the press conferences, so I'm going to still be there listen to what you say. I ain't got to ask you a question ever again, but I have to say this. Westbrook? And what Crickle I'm about Bell? to say. Chris hey, look, what, 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 I, what I'm about to say to you, Cody, is something that was told to me by former players and NBA execs right after the final buzzer, right after the Washington Wizards game when the Athletic dropped the article about Coach Silas not having his job, not not being brought back, right? Mm -hmm. I was told, if James Harden comes back to Houston, we're going to give him... If James Harden comes back to Houston... That's a big F you middle finger flipping the bird, however you want to say it. You know, they did that on friends that, you know, that's a big F you to coach Silas and a lot of African-American players and a lot of African-American, you know, people that have, uh, you know, some type of say. So it's a lot of them that look at it as James Harden, look at how you did an African-American. Look at how you did hmm. that black man. All this started downhill because you didn't want to be there anymore and you wanted to do what's best for you. So you worked your way out of that and went to Brooklyn. Then you worked your way out of Brooklyn and you went to Philly. Now you're in Philly and it's not your team. It's Joel and B's team. You're just a contributor. Now you want to leave from there and you want to come back to Houston so you can run things because Houston is your city. But why you just couldn't stay here from the jump and play for Coach Silas? Why couldn't you just stay here from the beginning? Why couldn't you why why couldn't you be Dame Lillard? 
Why couldn't you show some type of loyalty? How come you couldn't stand 10 toes down in the city of Houston and say, I'm putting an H on my back and wherever we go from here is where we go, but I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. You ran during adversity. You ran during adversity from the Houston Rockets. You ran during adversity from the Brooklyn Nets. You're running from the Philadelphia 76ers if you try to work your way or get back to the Houston Rockets. And for what? I don't know if anybody else has paid attention. Yes, James led the league in assists this year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, he did. Let the, let the league in assists. But, hell, how hard is that to do when you're just throwing it into the MVP? Like, it ain't hard to do to throw it into Joel and B. Okay, I got it. Could you imagine? Look, they're, if they're not playing the, the Brooklyn Nets, right, of course you could sit Joel Embiid out against the Brooklyn Nets and let James Harden, you know, be the man. But what happens when you have to advance – to the next round. James Harden can't be the man against teams like Milwaukee. He can't be the man. He, he couldn't pull off what Jimmy Butler did against the, the Milwaukee Bucks. He can't be the man against the, the, the Boston Celtics. I don't see. He can't lead a team. He can't lead a team anymore to a championship. So what are you bringing them back here for? Back into the situation where it's my city now. It's my locker room. Y'all going to do what I say I'm not listening to y'all. Y'all are kids to me. You know, even though I have respect for all of y'all, which he does, I got respect for all of y'all, but y'all are kids to me. And I've, I got more playing time on some shoes I got in my closet, <clears throat> excuse me, than you all have in the NBA. So, yeah, what am I going to listen to you for? When is the last time you've known James to be able to lead anybody? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he can't teach a player like a Jalen Green or a KPJ some moves on the court. But the NBA is all about 50% on the court, 50% off the court, because you can thrive in that 50% on the court, but if you can't maintain that 50% off the court, it's going to ruin your on-the-court experience. So coming all the way around, James Harden, if he comes back to Houston, I'll say, you you are the one. I will echo those sentiments and say that you or the one that got Coach Silas fired. And with that being said, hey, man, I miss you, Coach Silas. <laughs> pass, the, pass the big song. <laughs> Everybody, pass the collection plate. It's time to pass the collection plate. <laughs> Sarge, man, look, you hit the nail right on the call, coughing about everything, man. Look, and that's, that's, that's part of the reason why I also don't want to see James Harden back in Houston. And I'm not about to turn it to a, do you want to see Harden back in Houston or not, or whatever the case might be. But I just cannot get over the fact that when you take a look at a guy like Coach Steven Silas, who, like I mentioned, 20 years, the following his father's footsteps, 20 years, he has been around this game for his entire life. And the one thing I always harp, harped on is his players' development and I, I do want to ask you this because I think this get lost in the shuffle in terms of other reporters who try to blame Stephen Silas of what the Houston Rockets have been through over the last three years. Um, fans, when they try to blame Stephen Silas over the last three years, that whole scenario that you gave from the time he got hired in October all the way up until the time when the athletic was the first to report that um, Coach Stephen Silas lost his job. Everything that took place in those three years, is there any coach in NBA history who could have thrived in that situation? Yes or no answer? No. My no. point exactly. My no point exactly. And look. You brought in M.A. You could have brought in Vogel. You could have brought no, in. No, you ain't got to do all that. You could have brought in Popovich. You could have brought in Phil Jackson. You could have brought in Red Artiback. You, you, you could have brought in um Pat Riley. Yeah, you could have brought, brought in Eric Spolcher. You know, those are five names that are top 10 in NBA coaching history. And none of those guys would have thrived in that situation. And you know they wouldn't because all five of those guys got ghosts that they that they coach. Some of multiple ghosts that they coach, i.e. Phil Jackson, who, by the way, for some reason, isn't, isn't looked at as good as he once was. Oh, boy. You know, Sarge, sometimes I know I know growing up your parents told you this. Sometimes it's good. If you ain't got nothing else good to say, just shut your damn mouth. I know you was told that as a child. I was told that as a child. You know, sometimes I just think certain people should have learned that. And Phil Jackson is one of them. But that's neither here or there. I say all that just to say Whoa. that is. Real quickly, real quickly, real quickly. Go ahead. 
one day we'll have this discussion on how Phil Jackson isn't a really good coach. He's just a really good motivator. Oh, I mean, we'll, look. One day we'll get into why Red Art, I mean, um, Red, Tex Winters, excuse me. We'll get into mm -hmm. why Tex Winters really should get way more credit than Phil Jackson, but that's a Oh, you, you ain't got to tell me because you know me. <laughs> I stand by my criteria. And just like I did with the E-May versus um, Frank Vogel thing, I do that same thing with Phil Jackson. Because it's easy for you to win 10, 11 championships when you're coaching Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and, and, and Scottie Pippen. You better have at least eight on your resume. That's all I'm trying and, to say. And no Dennis Rodman. Yeah, and Dennis Rodman. Look, no disrespect to nothing. And Paul Gasol later on down the line. Look, no disrespect to Phil Jackson. However, there's a guy by the name of Tex Winters who Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. Go back and look at those documentaries. Every time they try to start talking about Phil Jackson, they go out their way to talk about Tex. Especially that guy that's weighing number 24 on the, what's that, your left side of your shoulder? Yeah, especially him. But that's another topic for another day. But, um, I mean, but I know <laughs> you know, he wanted to talk about Black Lives Matter. And I'm saying to myself, the damn show should matter to you because you wouldn't be nowhere without him. Well, well, you know what? I'm not even going to get into that. But, you know, let's, let's stick to him. But, you know, shout out to Coach Steven Silas, man. Um, I really do hope he have another opportunity to get a, another head coaching job in the NBA. I think he will because it's crazy to where even when you take a look at outside the Houston Rockets, um, outside the Houston Rockets organization, Coach Steven Silas always well respected, always had a lot of respect, a lot of love, a lot of appreciation around the entire league. Sarge, you know, there was multiple times you and I would go into the visitors locker room, the visitors press conference room, you know, and, and just ask coaches and players about Steven Silas and they always had nothing but good things to say and I know a lot of people might hear that and say well they're supposed to what you want them to do talk bad on them no there's a difference you can tell when somebody is genuine like i.e talk to Luka Doncic about coach Steven Silas there's a difference between him saying oh yeah he's a good coach and there's a difference of him saying they better not get rid of him because those young players need him and I was sitting right there when he told Adam Spillane that I was sitting right there you know and um but you know coach steven Silas, awesome man um i i still consider him an awesome coach because like i mentioned his track record of developing players and i think in the next three years you're definitely going to have, have to add jabari jalen green kevin porter jr elperin shagoon to that list that already has lebron steph luca Kimball, baron davis and like i always say sarge you hear me say this a lot i know two of those well three of those names is not like the other as of right now one of them is the greatest shooter of all time and the other one is damn near the goat of all time but the one thing that all of these guys have in common is the fact that when you go back and you take a look when there was Ross Prospects, it didn't matter if there was the Phenom coming out of high school. It didn't matter if there was an unnamed player coming out of Davidson. It didn't matter if there was an overseas MVP at the age of 17. The one thing that all of these young guys talk about is how Coach Steven Silas, as an assistant, helped lay the foundation and helped them get accustomed to the NBA. And we're going to see that same thing in the next few years because I be damned. When Jalen Green become an all-star here in the city of Houston, Kevin Porter Jr., Jabari Smith Jr., you know there's going to be two people in the Rockets locker room that's still going to be breaking up how much credit you give Coach Steven Silas. That's going to be me and you. I don't care what our colleagues have to say. Don't care what the fans got to say. You got to give respect to Coach Steven Silas because at the end of the day, this man laid the foundation that's going to help a lot of these young guys, whether it's here in the city of Houston or beyond. Well, we gotta take up offering for you too now, right? <laughs> love oh, man. offering. offering. <laughs> take up a love offering for you. <laughs> hey man, we gotta do it. But once again, man, shout out to our guy Stephen Silas, man. Uh, but that's all we have in store for you guys on this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets. Please be sure to follow on all your favorite podcast streaming services. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And you can find me at Twitter at Big Star Sports with a Z at the end, and you can see find all my articles at Rockets Wire USA today. Hmm. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot 
for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.